It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Who are you? I'm your brother. But I am now one dummy. They're eating her. And then they're going to eat me. Because all you of Earth are idiots. Everything is as you ordered. I promise you. Damn, look like my women is on time. Save I could show warm you up. No shit, baby. No! Yes. You'll be like the human. Hey, man, we spoke in while I'm eating. You don't have to die. Well, no one has to die at 30. You can live. Live. Lackenstein. Okay, now I remember why we're not playing that again. Oh, Lord. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, welcome to Cinema de Fromage, a place where one can enjoy the finest in cheese. Um, and I, I now remember what that opening was. It was an actual video opening, which with vi visuals works. We're going to have a better one next time. But welcome to, uh, I guess, season two of Cinema de Fromage. I'm your host, King Pegman, and what we have here are our... Let's go around the table, introduce yourselves, willing victims. <laughs> Start with you, Kente, because, you know, everyone all knows you. Hi, I'm Kente, uh, um, here as a movie buff, love cheesy movies. Uh, even though uh, our second film, I actually had a, several people tell me, that is not a cheesy movie, that's a great movie. <laughs> Uh, the it next is a movie, great movie. The next it movie is. is Return of the Living Dead. So, uh, actually, w our special guest next week is challenging the idea of this even being included in the cheesy cinema, which will be interesting. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm glad to be here. It's a lot of fun. I love talking about movies, and I'm looking forward to the the madness. So, Jen, Jen. She's in Hawaii, you know. Did we lose you, Jen? <laughs> I think we did. Now that's called a great start to a show. <laughs> I can hear the people my too. Sorry, my, my audio is... I could barely hear you guys. Okay. Uh, I'm Jen. I am absolutely uh, not just a lover of cinema, but a lover of good, bad, and ugly cinema, too. I'm a huge fan of Mystery Science Theater. In fact, we do our own edition of that sometimes on a Friday night. So I feel like I fit right in. Thank you guys so much for having me. All right. Pleasure. All right. Uh, Matthew. Uh, I'm Matt Hahn, uh, a.k.a. Groucho Beer. Um, and I just wrote a my first book, uh, 
on the movies. It's called The Animated Marx Brothers, uh, now available at an internet near you. And I'm writing my second book, The Animated Peter Laurie. Nice. Cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. Well, what brings us all together tonight is uh, this is what um, a certain filmmaker uh, who is you know, associated with Johnny Depp and has made his own version of Batman, has said would be the film that if you were stuck on a desert island would be the film that he'd have with him to watch over and over again. That really tells you all you need to know about this yes. <laughs> uh, It's actually the second version of a novel. Uh, there's three versions out there. Well, arguably, possibly four. Um, it is my favorite version of it. Um, for various reasons, for stuff that I hate and I love about this film, um, but it's one that I've now watched five times in the last week, just to prepare for this. Which tells you I, I probably will never want to talk about it ever again after tonight. However, <laughs> film for today is uh, Charlton Heston in The Omega Man. And I'm going to give it to one of you guys to explain to the audience what this film is. <laughs> the general plot of, of this film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> must be the, the volunteer to explain. Do you, you want to do it, Jim? You want to do it, Jim? Well, I, I can give it a try. All right. So, a scientist thinks he's going to save the world, ends up destroying the world, creates a cult of zombie-like creatures who are, I'll just call it allergic to the light. They want to destroy him. He wants to destroy them, but also save humanity. Uh, he meets up with a group of other unlikely survivors. Some stuff happens in the end, and everybody except the bad scientist sort of escapes. And I don't know how to even describe the end. <laughs> hey, spoiler alert. End. Spoiler alert. <laughs> you know what? I think I think for this, the case of uh, considering how old this film is, uh, I, I don't think we need to worry about spoiling. <laughs> I, I think it's okay. If because you even it if you know now, the ending, even hmm. if you know the ending, it, it doesn't change a damn thing. About <laughs> it doesn't make it any better. Uh, it doesn't make it worse. It, it doesn't make it worse. You're well, right. actually, it gives you're you something. Right. It does make it better because you have something to look forward to. <laughs> After a while, you're like, oh, finally. Thank God. That's not a bad description. I, I would put one amendment. He didn't create the uh, the virus. He, he oh, only right. found the cure. You're right. You're right. It was the, the Chinese and the Russians who were at war with each other in that far off year of 1975. Oh, that boy. Touched off and, and destroyed the world. You know, and this is so wacky. I mean, who who would think that the Russians would destroy our society, you know, because that could never happen. <laughs> Not at all. One way or another, they will. Now, uh, I have to say, like I said, this is one of my personal favorites. Um, and I don't know. It's because I, I saw it as a kid uh, back in the 70s on TV. And the one thing about this movie I'll have to say is the Director is a TV director, and it looks like a made-for-TV <laughs> Like, oh, there yeah. is some shadows there. Doing it in widescreen, there's some cinematic shots. But generally speaking, the whole thing has 
the feel of a really cheesy made-for-TV movie. Um, <laughs> the bad costumes, the cheap makeup, <laughs> the cutting away from what could be an interesting horror shot to <laughs> get it out there too soon. I mean, I don't know how many times, like, uh, I'm thinking specifically the scene where he's picking up his uh, new car and they kind of pan to the corpse sitting in the chair and they cut too soon. And it's like, there's a half a pan and cut and there's a big close-up of Charlton Heston there. Our hero, by the way, Mr. Chuck Heston playing Robert Neville. But, um, but to their credit, there are plenty of scenes with Charlton Heston without a shirt. So I'm yes. sure for 1975, that was fangirl service. Yes. Uh, it shows how far we've come. Good God. It? <laughs> they they didn't have much going for them back then, so that was that was all man back then. You know, you know the the interesting thing too is uh, I'm from Los Angeles, and the movies uh, taking place in Los Angeles, yep. and uh, you know they did a really interesting job of uh, making you know it look desolate and everything. And I, I I did some research of my own, and I found and I saw that they shot on Sunday morning. That's yep. how they were able to <laughs> to uh, right capture in the, the business scene. sector. Unfortunately, though, if you really pay attention to some of those scenes, you actually yep. do see car moving. Yep. <laughs> we'll assume that that's the other survivors trying to keep away from him. That, that, that's my take on it. Yeah, I do remember the, one of the first big pan outs, and it's like, wow, this is really good. There's like nothing. It's just one guy standing in the middle of the empty, empty streets. And then off in the far background, damn, some guy's just puttering in the background. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so the whole uh, story um, is basically based on uh, Richard Matheson's I Am Legend, which is the story told by the last surviving man on Earth after a plague wipes out everybody. Now, in the book, uh, those that did not die right away from the plague became vampires. And so he's sort of living three or four years uh, on his own trying to survive in a world of vampires which is an interesting idea. And they decided with this one, they're saying, oh, you know that vampire thing? That's kind of, that, that, that's out of, that's way out. Um, let's do it as a biological weapon. And instead they just become maniac albinos wearing cloaks. But, but you <laughs> know what? That is, that is much more realistic. Uh, yeah. But you know what? You know, the, it, you, was, it was, oh, what I found interesting was that angle was, was put forward by the screenwriter. And the screenwriter was by trade a chemist. Yes, and you could, you could tell she certainly wasn't a screenwriter. Right? No, <laughs> yes, the dialogue. Oh, I mean, there are three lines in this film that my family know, and we we say whenever we feel like it, the right time. If anybody's sick, we always mention that someone needs an antibiotic specific. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my favorite line comes from Brother Zachary, who's my favorite character in the whole damn film. He doesn't get much screen time, but when he, he when he's there, he's got presence. And my favorite line from him is when him and the, the lead villain there, Matthias, are talking about getting him out of the building. He says, even with all our, you know, our, the whole family can't get him out of that big pause. Close up of Brother Zachary. Honky paradise. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. I love, I it, love it so much. That's you my favorite rap song, too. Honky <laughs> Paradise. Honky Paradise. Honky yeah, Paradise should be the name of uh, an album. I, I would buy that. I love, I love that line. And it's just, you can see he's sitting there going, 
I don't want to say this, but I'm getting paid to. <laughs> and, yeah. And I love, I'll get it one I, take. I love, though, the speech after that where he's all like, no, we got to leave that. We got to leave that behind, brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, you'd be sitting there going, yeah, how come this guy's still alive? Because, <laughs> I mean, and that's, Zachary's got the right idea. Like, I'm going to go to the armory. We'll get some nitro. We'll blow the shit out of the building. He's gone. We can go on from there. No, no, we can't do that. Why? Because of script. <laughs> because the script say so. But because you, the script says we don't do that. But but you know what? You can use all three of these movies as a time capsule of what's sexy at that at that point because in the book, you know, it's vampires, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in this one, it's like a cult family, because you know, because mm-hmm. that was around the yeah, Manson called the family too, right? This was the time of Charles Manson, Manson. and his family. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. the the newest I am legend was uh zombies because you know it's a zombie craze at that point so yeah. i'm i'm trying to think what would be the sexy thing now to, now that movie's 10 years old believe it or not or 11 years old what would be the uh, yeah hmm. that's a good question well i think zombies are hot still... guys and monsters <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's the craze that, i mean the women love those those shows Just fishmen fish yeah like the I'm shake of water yeah, like Shape of Water, Fishman. I, I don't see that becoming a craze. I think that's a one-off, much like the original uh, from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, you had two sequels, but no one was going out of their way to get you know, the next movie made. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, I tell you, the, the one thing... Uh, so I'm thinking about this film, and there's so many things that they do right and so many things they do wrong. The opening of this film, they do right. Right. Um, music aside... Uh, it is, uh, <laughs> we're gonna yeah we're gonna forget about the music, but the whole idea of Charlton Heston on his own driving around, you know he crashes his car stupidly, but I can sort of see you're swerving around and going driving like a maniac because there's no stop signs and you don't have to worry about hitting anybody until you come across a, a car or I guess it was a it was a Brinks truck in the middle of the road and he crashes his car. He goes <laughs> and gets another car because he can do that. But the neat thing about that is. If you look at it, it's like they thought about it because it wasn't just like he goes and picks up a car and drives off. He's got a whole toolkit with him. <laughs> and you go, okay. So, like, he does that whole thing. He walks in his thing. He's talking to himself because you know, he's losing his mind. He's got no one to talk to. So he plays the part of, you know, he's ha- having a one-way conversation with a corpse, you know, talking about how much to pay for the car. What about my trade-in? But the whole time he's got this bag with him. And I'm going, well, you know, that's a neat little touch. He's he's actually opening up this little bag, and there's tools in there because a car that's been sitting for a year or so is not going to be something you can just, just start up and drive away. you got to make sure <laughs> you know, the battery's properly charged, that there's enough oil in the, the thing so it's not going to you know break down. That's pretty good. He goes out. He drives around. He goes to the movies. He's got a generator hooked up. And what's the movie he watches? Woodstock. Woodstock. And you go, okay, that's kind of cheesy of its time. But you go, wait a minute, think about it. Here's the last man on earth. He's <laughs> all by himself, and he's watching a film. And the first thing you see is a giant crowd of people. Right. And, the... and obviously he's watched it a billion times because he's like talking along with the, the people on the screen and everything. But I said, oh, that's a neat little touch. It's kind of, I mean, it's cheesy. It's kind of, you know, watching him mouth away. They're going, yeah, Charlton Heston, you're really not that much of a... <laughs> but okay I'll, I'll let it go at least you got your gun with you so you got the nra cred still going but but that that's a neat touch i like that um 
I think they overdid the sound of the phone ringing. If they had only the sound of one phone ringing, but you couldn't tell where it was coming from, that would have made that scene a bit better than having like every phone in the world ringing all at once. I think that was overdone. I, you know, I, 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 I have to, I have to say that's my favorite part of this entire movie. My favorite <laughs> part of the whole movie was when the phones ring and he says, Oh my God, it, it, <clears throat> it's going to be night soon. And that is his literal wake up call. Yeah. I, I, I just thought that was, somebody really thought about putting that into the script. That was no mistake. And of course, there's no phone ringing, damn it! <laughs> but can, yeah. can, can we say, though, the, the, writer, the writers who was, I believe, a uh, husband and wife team, right? Yes. Um, like, and this was early, 71, right? So 71, yep. So he, he was a chemist. He was a chemist. I'm not trying to start any rumors, but they must have been on like Angel Dust. What were they doing back then <laughs> <laughs> when they made this movie? I don't think so because uh, this film was a little. I think he cooked it up himself. That. He cooked it up himself. The chemist did. The, <laughs> you know what? There, there was so much, uh, for lack of a better LSD? expression, there was so much dorkiness in this movie yeah. that, <laughs> that you almost get the impression that the writers were just a bunch of geeky people sitting around going. I know, I know. Let's do this. Yes. And you know what? We're going to have a, a, a hip black woman in there, and she's going to talk jive. Oh, God. And, yeah. and talk jive. And, and, and I think I can, I can write this stuff. I know it. I've, I've, I've heard street, man. <laughs> what did she say? Spread your arms out like you on the crucifix. Mother. Yeah, like, who says that? Spread your arm out like you on the crucifix. Like, oh, wow. I turn you around upside down, inside up. Uh, yeah. No, she tries. She tries to sell it the best she can. She does. Like everybody tries their best in this movie to to sell the the bad dialogue. <laughs> and you can see they're trying. They're, they want to give it a chance. And it's like, and you know, um, it's like, oh, it's just sometimes you just cringe. <laughs> but Anthony Zerbi, though, I really did enjoy him in this movie. Because, oh, I loved him in this movie. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, he's great. I, I, uh, he's a great actor. Period. He's still yeah, alive yeah. too. Believe it or not, he's, he is. I think he's, he's almost ninety or something. I think um, he's, oh, he's well, he was in. He was in every. I don't. You're not old enough, but he was in every TV movie in the 1970s. It was some yeah. sort of federal law. <laughs> um, and that's why. That's why I say this whole film thing feels like a, a 1970s made-for-TV movie. <laughs> With a little bit of risque added to it, because you could see a boob here, and someone might say a, a bad word here or there. <laughs> and the interracial kiss, don't forget about that. Oh, yeah, that was a big thing. Ooh. But, yeah. Whoopi Goldberg talks about that, because she interviewed Chuck Heston uh, years later when she had her own uh, show, and she asked him about that, and he turned around and she said, how'd you feel about that? And you turned around and kissed her. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, you know, Char- Charlton movie. Heston during that period of time, he was on a sci-fi run. I mean, because he had yep. he had uh, Planet of the Apes, which yep. predated that. He had yep. that film. Then he had uh, Solent Green. Yep. And I know I'm leaving something out. Uh, yes, you are. Uh, Earthquake. What? Um, oh no no no! I thought, no, you know what? It was only three. It was, three. it was only the three. So he had the, the uh, Unholy Trilogy there. Yeah, this is his trinity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? And I, they're I, all great I movies. All three of those films. In fact, I, I was tempted to actually, I said, uh, I can't put too much Chuck into you know this season because I was thinking either Soylent Green or uh, 
one of the Planet of the Apes films. And I still might do one of the Planet of the Apes films because Chuck's not in every one of them. Right. So I, I'm <laughs> tempted. Because he, he has, you know, uh, what he had a role against doing sequels or something, you know, and, you know, which is funny because you see some of the movies he's made. It was like, why not do it? But, you know. Yeah. Well, he did do he did do Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which, but he only did a little, a little bit. bit. A little bit. I won't be in the beginning and then kill me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Chuck. At least we can put your name on the billboard. So, but we'll kill you at the end. Now, okay. So, him as Neville, uh, yeah. especially the the beginning parts when he's not uh, interacting with anybody. Uh, yes. How did you think that uh, he held up in that? Just you know, because you got it's almost like the Castaway. You know, I think we all think of Castaway possibly as the movie of you know when it's just an actor by himself. You know, uh, so how, how did he get his Castaway on? in your mind I don't think he is uh, it, I, I was reading but I didn't know that much about him but he is a he's a classically trained actor mm-hmm. you know he's worked with Laurence Olivier mm-hmm. and, you know and and he's he's not good he's he's not a good actor <laughs> oh he's, he's got his own style I love his style well I mean, yeah he, I mean, he does he does. He does have a, but you know. But he's always in. He's he's usually in these these big you know epic uh, dramas, either biblical dramas or sci-fi or whatever. Ben-Hur. Ben Hur. That that that's like a biblical type of thing. But he's he's uh, he, he's not a good actor. Does, and you know, there's a there's a funny story. He he was in. Um, there's there's an episode of Animaniacs and. <laughs> Um, where uh, Yakko is 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 going around to all these uh, these movie stars and trying to find out if he should change his his gookie, and he he goes to Charlton Heston, but Charlton Heston sounds like Kirk Douglas because Charlton Heston not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I I will disagree. Charlton Heston is. Uh, the way some people would look at Jeff Goldblum. You know, Jeff Goldblum comes on the stage and does Jeff Goldblum, right? Charlton Heston comes on and does Charlton Heston as Moses or Charlton Heston as... And I like him because he can... He doesn't mind once in a while going over the top uh, and doing that screaming thing or whatever, you know, where he's sitting there talking and they're all yelling, Neville, Neville, in the background. He goes, shut up! So he's like, oh, there you there. And then back to being talking to the statue. I mean, he's like, I liked him in this. I liked his character. Um, he did the one thing that became routine in the 80s, but in the 70s you didn't see much of, where he's got these little one-liners he keeps throwing out because he's got no one to talk to but himself, right? So, right. You know, so he says, uh, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. I mean, they're not memorable. <laughs> I'm not. Let, <laughs> let's be honest here. None of them go, oh, yeah, I remember when he said that. But there was those kind of things. Oh, actually, no, there is one where he's like, where he's tied down to the table and they're, they're sending him to death and he says, you're full of crap. And the end of all things, blah, 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 this big Anthony Zerbe speech and he goes, you're full of crap. <laughs> yeah, don't, my... don't forget about, are you from the IRS? Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, I loved that. From the IRS. <laughs> now, you know, so he, he's played a lot of iconic roles, and uh, I don't yeah. know where this one would lie within 
his yeah. uh, filmography. But my question to you guys is: Does do does playing Moses count as a strike against you getting into heaven, or or in the plus <laughs> column? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he found a way to make Moses even more boring than in the Bible, I guess. <laughs> I was so stiff. I mean, I, I, you know, even his stick got to become a snake and move around a bit and have a little life to it compared to Moses. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It all depends if God's the kind of guy who goes, you know, I like my Moses really straight and boring. That's that's the way I want to play. And that flair. See, you know, Charlton Heston hit his stride when he decided to do directing because when he became a director, I feel like all the stuff that had been heaped on him and didn't work, he decided, no, 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 let's go in a different direction. Because <clears throat> really, as a director, he was actually not so bad. As an actor, I, I got to agree. I mean, he's <laughs> iconic. He's so iconic that it, you know, every time he would go to say something, I half expected him to say, "Get your hands off of me, you damn dirty ape." <laughs> but, but, but that, but that is. Yeah, but that is him, and, and in the same way that, you know, we always quote the stuff from Jurassic Park from Jeff Goldblum, I think you're right. He, he There is just something incredibly culturally iconic about Charlton Heston, and, and whether he's a good actor or not a good actor, he did fit this role. He just did. I mean, the guy has <laughs> presence, like it or not. Well, he's he's he is a movie star. He's just... I would I would submit that he's not an actor, and especially, you know, if he was some guy who was found at you know at Schraff's drugstore wearing a sweater, you know, it would be fine. But he's, like I said before, he went to Northwestern University, which was the only game in town back in the '40s, if you were struggling to be an actor, and and he has all these these credits um, on stage, and he he worked. He, he he did a man for all seasons on the West End in London, and uh, he's he's just for for that level of he's he's not that good. <laughs> now, let me let me ask you guys uh, about the uh, character design of the infected or the family or whatever <laughs> you want to call these guys. What do you what do you guys think about uh, how they look? I like how they all had matching cloaks. That was oh, but they didn't. You look closely. I've got the Blu-ray of it. You watch. Some guys have sequin cloaks. Some guys have flat matte cloaks. Other guys have sort of this weave thing. And most of them look like okay. I went to the Halloween store and grabbed a cloak. Okay, I'm, I'm part of the gang now. But I don't think it worked. I, I think they needed to look a little bit worse for wear. Um, the whole evil albinoism thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hello? Did we lose us all? I'm here. No, no, I'm here. I'm here. No, go ahead. Okay. (laughs) Here's here. All right, technical difficulties. Uh Anyways, the whole albinoism thing here is just like, okay, evil albino multiplied by a couple hundred, or well, let's say two dozen. Let's be realistic. Um, (laughs) But they weren't really a threat. I mean, the worst thing they did, like, what could have been a really creepy moment is, you know, when he's sitting there in his apartment alone at night and they're all like calling to him, right? And chanting and mocking him. Could have been really interesting and creepy. 
but you only have one or two that are into it going Neville, Neville, and there's a couple. <laughs> then there's this one doing a witch's call. <laughs> in the back. And if you listen with your, if you put it with the earphones, because this is what I was doing because I was watching it on my phone and listening on the earphones. It's like, oh my god, there's guys there who are just you know talking. You know, uh, some guy with a Yiddish accent. Like when he starts shooting at them, it's like, oh, I've got to run for cover. Oh my god, that's right. <laughs> and it's like, did I just hear that? Did, <laughs> they decided that that needed to be put in there. Uh, let's go get some cover, guys. Oi, <laughs> Gavalt. Oh, Neville, what are you doing? Get out of here. You snorer. <laughs> now, brother, that's not how we talk anymore. <laughs> give up the old ways. You know, you could... It, it, this movie is like almost a an allegory for the, the Trump era, you know, because everybody, everybody turns white. Ex- even the black people turn white. Who, yeah. Yeah. But, but, but in the end, even the black people turn white. The, Matthias is still the guy on top. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. Zachary's number two. Uh, sorry, buddy. And, and he's got, he's the one who should be leading because he's got all the right ideas. I'm going, damn. All right. Well, it's, listen, that's, listen to Zachary, blow the shit up what, out of his house. That's what that's what the Trump era is like. <laughs> what? You know, they're, they're, they include a, a few black people, you know, token black people, and and uh, like like uh, Ben Carson, and then. But oh, I mean, that's that's giving the movie way more credit. Than... Yeah, well, I don't even think they're thinking along those lines. <laughs> no, I, I, I haven't yet. But no. you know, you, you know, um, it's very interesting though. Is like, why couldn't they get into his place? That just didn't make any sense at all. Well, the neat thing is when you watch him going in, you could see all the steps he was taking. This is where I was saying the, the little details once in a while were good. If you watched, every time he went into his place, he went up the elevator and he would shut the power off to the elevator when he got up there to make sure that it didn't go back down. Because right. he wouldn't need it to, right? right? And he did that until uh, Lisa's in his apartment. And then once a girl's involved, suddenly he forgets to do all the things he normally did, including... <laughs> Putting the gas in the generator, locking certain things up and everything. He started to forget that. Like, as soon as pe- other people were involved that he was, had to sort of deal with, he suddenly forgot to do all the steps that he did every day of his life for the few years up to that point. Which well, I that's, thought, that's, that's believable. Yeah, and that's kind of neat. That's, I thought that was a- but it, it's, what's not believable is this, this you know, semi-hot-looking black woman. She's like, okay, my, my brother's stable now. Let's, let's bang. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. think about poor <laughs> Dutch through this whole movie. Yeah, you know, that's Dutch that, is, that was Dutch is like I'm saying like, that guy's an eligible guy. Yeah, and he's like he gets nothing out of this whole thing. She's like she goes, <laughs> the first guy she sees who's been shooting at them, like, old white guy. She's like Ooh. he's like wait a bit, what about me? No, sorry, Dutch, you're in the friend zone. And <laughs> you're in the friend zone. You know, oh. you, you you're know, the, literally the last man on earth. And she won't. She won't bang him. Yeah. You know. You know. Also, um, the the look of the characters. Uh, as I was watching it, because I watched it last night. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've ever played a game called Resident Evil Four. Okay. It. I swear, it's the same look. It's like that must. That's it must may, be. It may have been based on and, it. And, 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 people. and the characters. Uh, they actually. The, you know that catapult with the. Yeah. They do the same thing in the game, so I'm thinking. <laughs> so that, they, they, they did. They obviously ripped off from or or uh, did their homage to it. Yeah, and then you got to sni- and you have to snipe them too. 
So do you have that big ass red uh, you know sniper scope for the infrared for back? <laughs> oh god, hilarious! <laughs> big, but you the go, big flashlight on. Right, that, that was modern technology. As I was saying before we started the show, I said, "Yeah, my idea for a movie would be you know twenty years later, and yet all of your technology, all of your fashions is still 1975." <laughs> And that's 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 your future from now on because nobody's building anything new. So all you get is, you know, oh, good look, a turtleneck sweater I can put with this suit. Hooray! <laughs> oh, plaid pants, get me some of those. <laughs> that'll help me. That'll, I like I like how that. I like how this woman was planning so far in advance. She brought a, a dashiki with her to to change into. <laughs> Well, she she knew that something was going to happen. She had to be dramatic she, about the whole. She thing. was like, "Oh, ooh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it on with this she, guy." Remember, she hustled it. <laughs> That's right. I, I love the end the, when how they first meet, where she's pretending to be the mannequin. And oh yeah. Then... <laughs> well, you think about it from his point of view. He hasn't seen real people except for these nutcases, right? So, and part of him knows he's going a little bit crazy. So maybe he is seeing some mannequins start to move a little, so he can't trust himself. Going, I, I looks like a person to me, but I've been going nuts for a while. And but, I know but, there's but no but other people. But how does she know that? But how does she <laughs> know that? Well, she, that was just defense mode. Don't want to be shot. Hold still. Maybe he won't see me. You, you know a scene that we're forgetting or we haven't mentioned yet that okay. had me cracking up was the scene where he's in the helicopter and he loses control. <laughs> That's what I hate about that disease. You know, it first starts with choking and then you die within two minutes. Like, that's not a scary disease. I mean, next to real life, I guess it would be horrible. People just dropping dead around you. But it looked terrible. Guys grabbing their throats going, ah, ah, and then you see a bunch of people lying around. And then him doing it in the helicopter where the guy <laughs> flying the helicopter dies in two seconds. But Chuck, he managed not only to survive not dying from the disease, which he seems to have contracted. But he survives the crash, which exploded on impact. Explodes on impact, <laughs> and he crawls out. He's all bloody, and he looks like you know what? Even if he survives the disease, that guy's not going to get anywhere. He's he's going to die out there. You know, some, something's going to come out, grab him, and drag him into the woods. You know, some wolf or something like that. But but don't worry, he found his trusty medical kit. And first, he thinks maybe shove that in my leg. Uh, oh, you spilled it all over the place. And they they broke out the bank for that that helicopter scene though. They they put a lot of that budget in that scene because it was <laughs> so impressive. It doesn't so, show. It really doesn't show. <laughs> and written out Dodger Stadium too. Oh man, yeah, they just really broke out the bank for that. Yeah, I know. Well, the stock footage war that happened prior to that was, you know. <laughs> but there was the scene that does really work, though, when you think about it, it's, uh, him and Lisa trying to get medicine and everything. When they go into the hospital, that scene, I'm going, that's what the film should have been. Because if you go, he goes to the door and you, right in the entrance with the emergency entrance, there's a makeshift sign saying DOA and cadavers with an arrow pointing to the side. Oh, and right. hall, and you've got all these people in beds, dead. And you're thinking about it, it's like, okay, that's the kind of horror of a mass plague where people are being brought to the hospital because that's what you do when you're sick. And they're all like lying in gurneys and stretchers on in the hallways, dying, and no one's treating them, no one's doing anything. And it's like, okay, that's the horror of what you know the background of this should have been, but the cheese kind of overplays that. So you got a great <laughs> scene like that, and then they're talking about birth control and having a good chuckle about that. Like, 
Can, music I, toy. can I ask That's another question? Music. Can I ask because another that was that was available right on the uh, you know over the not even over the counter. You could just get it off the shelf can in I, pharmacies in the seventies. I remember that. Can I ask another question? <laughs> that too? was the family planning section. That was I, yeah. I have, I have another was question. Angeles, I, I have another question. How did the family did, did they find a cloak store or something? How did they all well, get the, matching well, cloaks? Well, that was the Halloween shop. <laughs> yeah, and then in like, matching sunglasses and clothes. Yeah, they mean... raided Western costumes. I think. <laughs> well, here's the thing: it was Easter um, because you see, it's, because it all the calendars say March, and they do pan inside a school where they've got a sign, you know, "Happy Easter." You know, uh, which so another religious maybe, overtone. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they found a Catholic uh, group that does some sort of parade for Easter in Los Angeles that you know wears the traditional monks things and. And the other guys had stuff from Halloween, and they kind of mixed and matched. If if you look at the group shots of them, there are people yeah. that they didn't even bother to put makeup on. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like you see, they're just regular skin. It's like they figure, hey, ain't nobody gonna see this. And then yeah, put that look on them. And the fun, oh, another funny scenes is when they're on the motorcycle, and you can clearly <laughs> see that it's a stuntman driving. What do you mean that barely? A, that is a, <laughs> obviously see it's a stuntman driving. No, I say clearly. Oh, I and thought it, you said barely. No, no, you can clearly see that <laughs> no, it's a... What's better is, is and his passenger wig. in the back is another stuntman. Right, another man, <laughs> right. Bad wig. The wigs are terrible. Lisa. Oh, my God. It's you a, your drawers, baby. Mm. Oh, it is so badly done. It's like, oh man! Like, I'll tell you, but that is sort of the charm of older films. You, you had a stuntman come in who didn't quite look right. Nowadays, you you know digitally put the actor's face over the stuntman, or you find some way to you know cheat it, or you get an insane actor uh, like Tom Cruise to do his own stunts. <laughs> and you basically try to find a way not to kill him when he's doing these stunts. So, but. Back then, it was like, okay, we've got a couple of guys with broken noses and arms who basically do this for a living. Um, yeah, you're you're his stunt double. Put this wig on and and these clothes and, and do the stunt. Yeah, it, yeah, they had. I mean, there was a okay. The movie wasn't short on action. There was quite a bit of action in the film. Not good action, but it was action. <laughs> True. And then the like, fun. I don't know if anyone riveted by the action in this movie. Did anyone sit there at the seat, at the other seat waiting for that scene? Oh, <laughs> can't wait to see what happens next. My favorite, one of my favorites, though, is the the very first uh, shooting scene where he sees the guy up in the um, the window. Oh, he's he, pouring the gasoline on him. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh man. No, no, no. I'm talking about when he sees the guy in the window early oh, on. Oh, right. The opening before the, the Warner Brothers logo comes up. Yes. Yeah. That is. Oh, that, that's funny. Man. People don't realize that was uh, actually uh, found footage. That was something Chuck Heston shot for the NRA. Was, <laughs> he's, actually, he's actually shooting a guy. Oh my god. From my dead, cold hands, you bastard. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you for talking bad about this. <laughs> Take that, Loki. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, but I, I, there's so many great, okay. Uh, there's so many things I go, oh, why, why? Like, okay, so Richie. Let's let's talk about Richie. <laughs> oh, yes. Lisa's brother, who was turning into one of those crazy albino people, um, and they revealed at one point that they were actually part of the family before when it was just cleaning up and burning corpses and trying to clear the streets up. And then eventually the people who had further along in the disease kind of started to go a little bit more mental and saw anything as different as something that they should kill. Um, it's not quite – the homicidalness is not quite amped up as it should be, but okay, fine. But there's Richie. He's seen what they're capable of. 
And then he goes to Chuck after he's well and cured. He says, hey, you can go cure these guys. And I go, hey, that's you know noble idea for a kid. Hey, let's save him. And he's like, no, they're too far gone. Screw those guys. <laughs> and so what's the kid think? Okay, well, uh, let's kill them then. They're they're in the, the courthouse. And he's like, huh! and he's Chuck Heston doing some subtle acting because he's like ready to, he's, you could see, he's like, oh my God, okay, let's grab all my guns I can. Let's go kill them. And then he stops and goes, nope, you know what? I'm moving on. I'm, this is, I'm past this. This is that part. Of, that's my past. That's gone. And the kid doesn't understand, of course. And the kid's all like, either cure him or kill him. Because that kid's really into the whole bipartisan thing, right? You know, it's like, <laughs> there's only two solutions, man. You either kill him or cure him. That's it. No, I want to leave him. What? No. No, don't kill, cure. That's it. That's all you can do. What's Richie doing? <laughs> I'm going to prove who's right. Drives up to homicidal maniacs and says, hey, we could cure you. And, <laughs> and I'm surprised what happens. He gets what you would expect to have happen. And that was kind of a, a, a neat twist in the story because you go, okay, Chuck's going to go save him, blah, blah, blah. The kid's going to learn he was wrong. No, the kid learned he was wrong the hard way. Now, I wonder if that scene, because there's something about the way it's shot. I'm wondering if they did something a little more symbolic to Richie, too. Because you only see like sort of a close-up of his face with a bit of blood on it. But Heston's reaction seems to be like almost as if they did sort of something symbolic with the body. Kind of, if they did a crucify or something like that. And that's what I always kind of imagined in my head. Because, you know, they're nuts. <laughs> Are they? But, but see, this is what the movie also says, much like the book. Is it that they're crazy? Are they the crazy ones, or is Charles Charlton Heston the crazy one, or is uh, They're the ones wearing cloaks. <laughs> <laughs> they're wearing yeah. cloaks. They're talking about burning everything around. Um, like in the book, it made more sense. They're going, okay, we're going to slaughter everything that's the, the the vampires that have no you know consciousness or anything like that. Like they're the ones that are sort of like the Walking Dead. And we're also going to kill the guy that's been killing us in our sleeps and terrifying everybody. So they made sense. In the book, that makes perfect sense. And and sort of the revelation that he was the monster in the end because of all his actions, which was a neat thing in the book. In this movie, uh, no. Uh, because, as you know, in the end of the movie, he's Jesus. And, right. You know, Jesus is the good guy, so you can't say that they're right. Yes, and we all know that when you die, your hands float up. <laughs> yes. here's my precious blood now wait hold on uh, okay uh, how's this look am I dead enough uh, uh, Robert you're evil <laughs> you, you know it's funny because <clears throat> if you if you watch enough uh, 70s cinema um, mm. the, this movie suffers from exactly the same thing that um, that most movies in the 70s sort of uh, suffer from. And that is, that it's trying to tell too many stories at one time. And mm-hmm. so it, it ends up, you know, what could have been a good story ends up with like 15 convoluted storylines and none <laughs> of them get told well. And that's yeah. exactly one of them. It could have been a great story about Neville, but yeah. instead we had to sort of inject 6,000 other things. Yeah. We got to worry about what the family's doing. Then we got to worry about these kids that, you know, we don't really see much of. Except for that one kid. Are you God? Yeah. <laughs> and the best line in the movie, though. The best line in the movie. But Lisa, after that, she says, are you God? And I, I go, oh, my God, what a stupid thing for a kid to say in a movie. But she goes, let's find out if he's a doctor first before we go promoting him. And I go, okay, 
that saved that scene because that's a and, terrible line, <laughs> terrible reading from a terrible acting kid. <laughs> and, and, then, and then there was the whole thing about him. I could not decide in my head if I thought he was actually uh, a scientist, a doctor, or just sort of some deluded person who thought, yeah, sure, I can try to save the world. <laughs> it just, none of it made any sense. None of his demeanor felt authentic <laughs> to, any, <laughs> to any of the roles that they had assigned him. That's true. He didn't come across as a doctor. He was supposed to be a doctor. He was, don't forget, they they gave Dutch the worst lines. They're like, okay, you're going to ramble off his entire resume right now so everyone knows how smart he is. (laughs) You're the (laughs) biological, biological weaponization of sounds, blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, how do you know that? I was a medical student before the world ended. Let me okay. let me ask. A, That's how you talk. <laughs> let me ask a, a question. Uh, it might be silly. You might think it's silly, but was Anthony Zerby playing a different character when he was the uh, newscaster? No, he was the newscaster who became the insane leader okay. of the group. Because I didn't know if they said, "Oh, you know what." We'll just cast him as this other character because I mean I never know if that's what. No, because he even says his name is Matthias when he's introduced oh, himself. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Right. And, and it was kind of an idea. So you got, but I'm sorry. At that point, I mean, like, get this guy off the air. He's starting to go all kind of really uh, <laughs> a little bit too preachy and weird here. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's like this is not the news we're supposed to be telling people. You know what I'm this thinking now, though. Mm. Who would who would be a newscaster now that would lead the uh, zombie revolution or whatever you want to call That's it? With and- Anderson Cooper or something like that? No, Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> no, no, it'd be, have to be somebody. Have to be somebody from Fox. Oh, no, who my goodness. Goodness. Somebody who's anti-science and anti-medicine. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, Geraldo. 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 He he could probably muster up a cult following. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. He'd, but and he wouldn't he would close. That's per- the problem. But but he'd have a he'd have a perfect place for everybody to meet. They could go to Al Capone's vault, <laughs> and it would be light proof and and empty. And, yeah, and, and, and empty. This could work. <laughs> no, they could they could all go to Cleveland. Isn't that where he lives now? Oh wow! There's nobody That's nobody else the there. There's nobody else there. It is. It it already <laughs> looks like uh, Omega Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm, you know, you I know mean, they were going to do a remake before the uh, Will Smith version. They were going to do a remake of this with Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. playing the Heston part. Ridley Scott, <laughs> yeah, right with Ridley Scott because that's pretty believable. Arnold Schwarzenegger playing a brilliant doctor <laughs> slash scientist. I saw Junior. I, I believed. I would. Him. I would go there. I would go there. <laughs> Take my money. <laughs> Hilarious. That that would be funny. Come uh, over here, Cloaky. I'll shoot you in the head. <laughs> <laughs> that that See, would be hilarious. You know, you, you know what? You know what makes this movie either good or bad. I, I, I shouldn't say the movie. You know what makes this idea either good or bad? <clears throat> what makes it is not necessarily the protagonist Neville. Although I do think that you know, depending upon how you present him, you end up with different options. It's how you present the monsters. Yeah, and that's... because. Because in every edition, in every different adaptation of this, when the monsters are different, it lends a totally different flavor to the entire mm-hmm. movie. Just Absolutely. everything feels different. So, you know, you could totally remake this and do something really scary out of it in another 10 years or so. 
But but at that point, like Kinte was saying, you know, well, what's what what are the monsters then at that point? And and the thing is with the monsters, they I think what makes it work better. I mean, as far as the story goes, uh, which the Last Man on Earth, which we didn't really talk about, but that's the Vincent Price film that was done first right. before Omega Man, which I really like. It's got an interesting feel and everything. Though it's very strange that he's acting like he's in America when he's obviously in Italy. You're right. But, but you know, they had a lot of the, the neat things there, like the, 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 the giant pyre where all the bodies were being burned and everything, and his daily routine, which was kind of neat in that movie. But, yeah, and it was also the inspiration of Night of the Living Dead, by the way. So we got a link to a precarious link, and I'm going to see if I can keep it up from this film to next week's <laughs> film. So watch out. Um, but, yeah, the monsters have to – I think what makes it the best is – you got to have some a- ambiguity um, where is the hero the hero, which is what the book was about in the end, because you were only siding with the one person that you were ta- talking or was talking to you the whole book. But after a while, you kind of realize he's kind of nuts. He's kind of losing it. And <laughs> but um, but in the end, he seems to be the villain to a new world. And that would be more interesting than uh, quiet, mindless monsters. And in fact, See, there was I, a, I, I totally. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Good. No, no. Go ahead. You, you were going to say. Well, I, I was just going to say. See, that I, I completely agree, and I think that 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 this is the mistake that a lot of storytelling. We have to have the protagonist who is not nebulous uh, in terms of how we decide whether they are a good and just person or whether they are a moral person. But it is the it is the choice that makes that book so interesting. It is the choice of the reader to sort of understand and side one way or the other on what is sort of right or wrong that makes it work. So, and in the seventies, I don't think you could make a movie where you could have that kind of uh, nebulous good well, guy slash. I would disagree because that was the time of the anti-hero where you had a lot of uh, characters yeah. who were not, I mean, Godfather so, yes, 2. Anti-hero, yes, I could see, but you're right. And the anti-hero I could see, but in this case, you've got, you have two opposing sides. I just, I don't know if that works, especially since they're monsters. Yeah. Or supposed to be monsters. Yeah. Like, I, I think the way they were handled doesn't work. Like, as much as I love Anthony Zerbe in this, uh, the way that they handled the uh, the group, the family, didn't work as a threat. I mean, I don't think there was any moment I felt like they were a threat or what they were doing was going to overturn everything. Like, they just seemed like a group of people who had nothing better to do. But, you know, okay, it's nighttime, we're up, what are we going to do? Hey, let's burn some library and some books and pretend that we're medieval monks. Okay. Whatever you say, I'm starting to lose a bit of my own consciousness. Uh, yeah, that was kind of a neat thing. The guys, the background actors, all were like, you know, we're repeating the lines. <laughs> and I'm going, okay, maybe that's part of the disease. Later in the stages, they're not as uh, loquacious. <laughs> loquacious. They, they seem to lose a bit of their, their vocabulary and start, you know, repeating things in creepy ways. The family is one. Well, for, for people the that family. are so sensitive... For people that are so sensitive to light, it sure does kind of seem surprising that they would try to burn everything. I mean, well, they did mention a couple of times fire is okay. The writers decide to make sure, okay, we've got to make sure uh, nobody thinks a fire is bad for their eyes. Well, yeah, it's just you a know, weird that's plot hole. <laughs> that that's the thing. You know, Orson Welles says says that the absence of of 
limitations is the enemy of art and and science fiction is is perhaps the genre that's most guilty of that because it's like oh well you know they do this except you know when they don't and then <laughs> you know there are all these all these these rules but then there there you know people people die instantly or they could live for years and then suddenly turn overnight literally yep, yep. You know, it's just, it's, it's just, come on. And they made sure, but they, and the thing is, the writers made sure, oh, uh, we got to make sure we're going to mention that in the, so that there's no surprises coming up. So they, they did <laughs> writing 101, you know, it's like, if you're going to show, they did a Chekhov's gun because Dutch talks about that like less than 15 minutes before she turns, right? He goes, oh, I had a friend and I looked away and I looked back and he, he turned into one of them and it was like, oh my God. It's like, okay, thank you for telling me that so I'll know that later in the movie this is going to happen. It was like, no surprises. We're going to make sure you know. And if anything you're going to question, we've already thought about yeah. you questioning that and we're going to have a line there to cover it. Yeah, there, 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 there's no subtlety in foreshadowing. It's just either, no. look, we're going to hit you over the head with it or yeah. we're just not going to mention it. Oh, subtlety is the, the, the one thing this film lacks a lot of i mean i said there's a few good subtle moments in it but those are like little set pieces of of you know stuff that the actor's doing but the overall subtlety of the movie i mean uh, you can't get any less subtle than main character gets a spear in the side dies in a christ-like position and the only way to be saved is through his blood <laughs> I mean, I guess that's subtle to somebody, but not me. I think I figured it out. I'm, I'm not a bright man. I'm not a smart man, but I think I figured out what you, that meant. You don't need no mushrooms the, to figure that out. No. The I, one I was nice, going to get the cold smokes, but. The, the one nice little tiny touch that they did was when they have uh, him walk in and, he, and there's the, the chess board. Yes. And he is literally playing chess against himself. That to me is sort of like a, a super nice subtlety about who the character is and why this is so complicated. That it, yeah. it's not that he's just battling an outside monster; he's actually battling and strategizing the inside uh, struggle and conflict. So that's like, but there were so few of those. I wish there were more, but there yeah. were just too few. Yeah, I like I said, this was like a made-for-TV movie with a bigger budget. So they weren't going to get any kind of subtle stuff there. I mean, they were trying to do a cheapy kind of, you know, semi-horror science fiction film. Um, I don't know what they were trying to accomplish. <laughs> can, I, can, I ask you, can, I, can I ask you guys something? Uh, you guys all have kids, right? Uh, yeah. No. Okay. Um, I, so Jen, I, so I don't either. So it's Jen and, um, and uh, King. Um, have, you, have you guys' kids seen it? And what, what did they think of it? Oh, yeah. Of course, I make my kids watch all the terrible movies I love, <laughs> and they hate me for it. <laughs> and one day, I think they'll appreciate it. But uh, for now, um, yeah. So I'm like the wacky Tim Burton dad who's like, "I'm going to take this on an island with me and watch it over and over again." They're like, "What are you talking about? This is garbage." Like, no, no, you'll like it. In fact, uh, one of the uh, a film, by the way, uh, for week three, I've already picked. Oh, cool. Uh, we're going to stay in the 70s, uh, uh, The Warriors. Oh, I love that movie. I have it on Blu-ray. Good. Yeah, I, me too. <laughs> and that's another... I, would, I wouldn't call movie. that a cheesy movie. Oh, I, I, mm, I haven't seen I it would. in years, but... <laughs> okay. Uh, go go watch it again. Well, yeah. you're going to get to now. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, we won't I'm discuss listening. it any more than that. We're going to leave it, but uh -huh. week three, The Warriors. There you go. 
And I don't. I'm gonna have to figure a way to link that now to Night Return of the Living Dead. Damn, I shouldn't uh-huh. have said anything. But back to back to Omega Man. <laughs> Before my, we digress away, you know, Kinte, my kids are older, or they're a bit older, and I, when we watched uh, this, uh, you know, I, I, I swear it's funny. We have uh, we have TCM nights where we watch older movies, and my kids really love it. But I think they love it because somebody's around to sort of explain some of the patent ridiculous stuff that's happening. Um, and in this movie, all of my kids walked away. Not one of them <laughs> sat through it. So that should tell you. So, so there something. is hope for the younger <laughs> generation. Yeah. Unlike in the movie where they get to go on in Neville's world, the kids in our world. One of them survive. actually said as she got up and walked away, I need to go file my fingernails. So I'm not <laughs> just watching. I don't think it was that interesting. Oh, wow. She gotta, oh. They got to go yeah, walk their I, turtle. This, this is definitely a guilty, guilty pleasure because it. I mean, it it stinks of its era. I mean, if any <laughs> film you know uh, is you can if you could like let's say you watch that for five minutes, you could tell early seventies. There's nothing about that film that doesn't scream early seventies. I mean, take out all the references to the calendars, you're going to go, yeah, that's about early seventies. Mm-hmm. The jive Just talking, the, the multicultural kids all in denim jackets hanging out together. With the hippie guy with the the finger up and the, I I love his jacket by the way, which on the back is just a, a finger. Yeah, someone give him the finger. It's like, oh, that's a, okay. I like I like the steampunk motorcycle helmet. <laughs> but yeah, oh, Dutch, meh. he's stupid. I hate Dutch. It's like he's got he's got the every motorcycle shop in in Los Angeles is open to him. He's got a leather helmet. <laughs> I think because he wants to get out of this world faster than others, but he wants to make it look like an accident. <laughs> well, he's got what he's got basically a pilot's uh, like a forties pilot's uh, hat, isn't it? Like a like a twenties like a, like a barnstormer. Yeah, that's what he was. A but that, free med but that's the barnstormer. moment. <laughs> that, that, that's the moment, right? The, the the hat is on is on sort of like the 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 statue thing that he's playing chess against. That's the moment yeah. when he takes that hat and he puts it on again. You, you know, he's sort of uh, he's flipped sides, if you will. He's he's gone from I got to strategize against the bad guys to oh yeah, no, we actually have to go on and live. And I well, thought that hat was actually super symbolic. I loved that. Hat. And, and the fact that they like throw it onto the, they pull it out of the water and stick it onto the thing. There. What I want to know is what happens awful. to the that family now. <laughs> what happens to the family now? I mean, poor Matthias. He, you know, our long nightmare is over. It's like, okay, you've been building up to this whole point, and now what do you do? Well, the Thanksgiving uh, dinners are going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just like it's, no one it's, shooting it's, us it is. At night. You That's know, I keep funny. coming back to this, but it, it is. It's like Trump becoming president. It's like he had no idea he was going to actually win. And then he's like, oh, <laughs> sh- oh shit, now what? Uh, I'm not even going to bother getting Lisa to come with us. <laughs> We're out of here, guys. Find something to do. <laughs> burn something? Yeah, okay, we'll burn something. It's not as fun when we don't have an audience. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, I guess this would be a good point to... Uh, to get to uh, the segment uh, uh, that we're called um, 
uh, Jen's movies that make a meal. Can you kind of give us an idea of uh, of, uh, <laughs> of this segment okay, so, and all of that good stuff? Okay, so uh, th- this goes back quite a long way. I have always sort of raised my kids and by proxy everybody else who comes into our orbit around movies and TV and that's basically our entertainment. We don't do a lot of, you know, kind of bigger entertainment. This is what we do. We love this. So we came up with movie theme nights and movie theme nights sort of required a bit of extra thinking in order to make them kind of cool. And as we came up with these ideas, uh, I started writing them down and sort of, you know, kind of doing some different things with them, adapting them to different ideas. And then other people started asking me to do them do that for them so it kind of turns into a, a, a weird little went from being just a project we did with our family to all kinds of outside stuff so i thought you know i'm going to put all this stuff down in one archive place and create kind of a a place to go where if you want to watch a movie you've got something to pair it with <clears throat> so this week i did uh and you know this one <laughs> it's really bad much like the movie it's pretty bad um <laughs> I did a an Omega Man twist with serum. Okay, so the Omega Man twist is basically uh, a breaded Parmesan with uh, brushed butter and garlic, <laughs> and 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 it's pizza dough. It's it's pizza dough in the shape of the Omega sign. Okay, it it turned out it actually turned out better than I thought it was going to turn out. And for the serum, of course, we used marinara sauce. But for the serum, I actually went to the pharmacy and I got one of those, you know, uh, medicine droppers. And we filled it up with marinara sauce and we put it right on the plate. And I'm telling you, it actually, it worked pretty well. So that's what we came up with for today. So the website is moviesmakethemeal.com. And I I sent the link over with Kinte. uh, So I think Kinte, you were going to post that. Oh yeah, it's it's in the show notes, and every week we're gonna we're gonna always have that. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, with with the the latest and greatest is. So nice. Yeah, but that's good. Cool. I like that. Yeah. But is there any omega three in it? <laughs> there, there are there are no actual omegas in the omega bread. I don't believe so. No. Okay, but it will be the last thing that you eat. Before. But it, it could be the last thing you eat. It's true. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, I, I liked how I liked how Neville was eating sausages three years into this. It's like <laughs> all those things were frozen because yeah, I always thought about that too. It's like canned. Oh, hey, I dress on Sundays and I'm gonna have hot sausage. Oh, God, <laughs> thank, thank God you got that crushed velvet suit on with the big ruffles. Hey. You know, and the and the and the uh, the the family is raiding the the little uh, bodega. <laughs> oh yeah, they got the start. Yeah, that's right. He finds one of them. It's got like no. He's he just found evidence. He's like, I thought that the prices would keep them to the grocery stores. Oh, it's yeah, like right. it's like such a racist thing to say. <laughs> oh, this movie, this is movie has a lot of subtle, weird, racist kind of weird. <laughs> oh, I don't think even think it's that subtle. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's trying to be open and and everything, and there's some things that go okay, that's kind of open, but it's open in a bad way. It's open by <laughs> so like this is done by you know this 
weird 70s liberal kind of ideal where they're trying to too hard to be inclusive to the point where they're offensive. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. we'll have them say something racist, but it's a joke. It's pure <laughs> Anglo-Saxon blood, baby. <laughs> equalizing, equalizing the races by making the by making all the other people white is not yes. the way I'd work it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, hey, all your villains are white in this, so it's okay. But they're albinos. Because they're all you know, equal now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, you know, hey, it's okay. Because we all know albinos are evil. That's just generally the trope that's out there when you... <laughs> now, but, um, uh, so let, I think this is probably a good time to get to the uh, the score. So okay. uh, can you uh, give us a breakdown of how the score work, how scoring works? Okay, we've got, uh, what is it, four categories in which we score yeah. these films by. And then the aggregate will give you what the, uh, the whole thing is. So we've got, uh, first off, you've got your production quality. So the overall, uh, what, you know, the look of the film, how it's put together, uh, is it sloppily edited, you know, the, the general making of the film, how it was put together. You've got the story, which is the script itself. You know, is it a good story? Is it told well? You've got the acting. That's your second, because, you know, with a great story like this and some great production value, you better follow it up with good acting, or it's just not going to work. I'll tell you. And then finally, the, the, the nebulous category is just overall entertainment, because you could fail on the first three things and still have a movie that's fun and enjoyable to watch. So that's the final thing. And then I'm going to add another category. I want everyone, after they've done their, their ratings, to, in a one sentence, describe their feelings on Omega and like what Omega Man is to you in one sentence. If you were to describe to someone who says, Omega Man is whatever. Hmm. So I'll start off because I'm, you know, the nice guy here. Um, so first off, production. Um, as I've said many times, this looks like a made-for-TV movie with a little bit of a higher budget. Um, its editing is terrible. Its shots are mediocre at best. <laughs> um, I mean, aside from the shots of the empty city, which are very effective, generally speaking, none of it works. Right down to the corpses with the moving <laughs> mouths, you know, the guy hanging upside down. <laughs> I, I, I was like, Dude, you couldn't hold it for two seconds, really? Anyway, so I'm going to give it out of ten. It's a production value of five, which is good for a made-for-TV movie in the 1970s, but not great for <laughs> cinema. Uh, the story. Well, what it's based on is really good. Um, what they came up with is this bizarre mishmash. Uh, and I'm going to have to say it, it doesn't <laughs> quite all work. And the ending is like just hammered right through your face to the point where you're going, okay, I, you know, I saw this coming on reel two and <laughs> it, it didn't stop. It's like a relentless train to that end. But uh, story-wise, I'm going to give it also a five in the mediocre way. It just Slammed together, not great. Acting. Now, this is where this film comes. Wait, I'm sorry. What was bit. story? What, what was your score for story? Story was a five. Five. Okay. Uh, and that's not the base story. If I was going to go by the original story, the book itself, it would be seven eight because it's a great idea, a great concept of the whole idea of being the last man on earth, when the only other people around all want to kill you. That's an <laughs> awesome story in itself. And it's not like the zombie thing where it's like this relentless thing. There was like 
you know, these people actually actively wanted to kill you in a way that, you know, they were thinking and everything. But anyways, uh, acting, I'm going to go to that. Um, I have to say, even with his stiff acting and everything, uh, you know, you like, I like Charlton Heston in this. I love all of the the big characters. Um, they're, in there, they're just likable. They've got terrible dialogue. Um, their actual characters themselves are pretty paper thin as far as motivations and everything. Anthony Zerbe, he steals every scene he's in, even though he's saying the most ridiculous, stupid things. <laughs> he's got great presence and he's got that look on his face. And even that one scene where he, he cracks a joke about a scientist being a man who wanted to learn about everything till there was nothing to learn about being that. And then Charlton Heston's reaction. Oh, there is a, there's a light in that, that window. It's like yeah, not for long, but <laughs> but I loved I loved just the, the character. I I mean it's not top notch acting. I didn't cry. I didn't you know feel great emotions, but I liked all the characters, especially my favorite brother Zachary. He's he's the man, right on. Um, what number is that, Frank? That that is a a eight for acting. Overall enjoyment. This is one of my favorite guilty pleasures it shouldn't work it really doesn't really work but i every time i watch it i'm entertained i enjoy this damn film for all of its horrible <laughs> flaws all the goofiness i have seen it three times this week just to prepare for this and you know it i accidentally restart it from the beginning and i just find myself yeah no i'm just gonna watch the beginning again and i'll just let it roll through <laughs> so uh, i this is a strong eight for me as far as my enjoyment level of this film I do not suggest it for anybody, and that's my one line. Not for everyone. Mega Man, not for everyone. But if you like cheese and you like it with that 70s flavor, you can't beat this one. Uh, that's, and that's my review on Omega Man. I love it. I love it. Uh, okay, so uh, Matthew, what, what is your score? Uh, well, I gave production quality an eight. I think I think they set out to do what they wanted to do with this. So you know, I I, I think that the uh, the shots of the of the deserted streets are are for the most part great, except for the few passers by walking through the <laughs> shot. But um, you know, I and, the, and then obviously it was that you know the costumes we make fun of but but obviously that's what they wanted to do so so i mean on that level i think it succeeds uh story i i i give a one because like i said before they're just making it up as they go along it's it's instantly fatal except when it's not and and you can have it for years and then suddenly turn overnight and you know it's just I, I I don't like that kind of thing. Acting um, is a five, and and I think Charlton Heston drags down the average uh, because he's so. T- I think I think Rosalind Cash probably you know was was a good actress, and and the guy who plays Dutch is Coslo is pretty good, and and even Richie's pretty good, and. Uh, and of course, Anthony Zerbe is great, but but uh, uh, Chuck Heston, I think, 
is just and he's just he's just scary to look at. We haven't talked about that. He's, he's uh, <laughs> those teeth. He's got, the, he's got those big, yeah, those big scary, you know, rotten 1940s teeth, and uh, that everybody had. And uh, uh, overall entertainment value, I would I would give it a two. I think it's uh, a cheesy cheese with cheese sauce and. Uh, Mozzarella cheese sprinkled on it. <laughs> All right, so Jen. All right. Well, I, I guess I, I now I kind of feel like maybe I was overly generous. <laughs> <laughs> Just be honest. Be honest. Uh, I, gave it, <laughs> I, I gave it a six for production value. I mean, look, it wasn't perfect, but they tried. I mean, they you can tell they were really trying. And there were some kind of cool little things that they did. Not a ton, but yeah, they tried. I, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't, corpses it look wasn't good. terrible. It wasn't like, yeah, right, you know. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like uh, it was, it, like it was grating on my nerves to sit and watch. It, it definitely had some nice little technical things. The lighting was good. The sound was pretty decent. Um, for story, I gave it a seven. Because I like this story. I I mean, there's things that I would change, but I like the story. There's something sort of neat about the retelling of this that, I, again, they tried really hard to do uh, an interesting adaptation. And whether it ultimately succeeded or not, the, the kernel of the story is still pretty good. So I liked that. The acting, I gave a five. I... I, I mean, I don't know. I didn't find anybody super compelling. Um, I, I think the mannequins were probably some of the most enjoyable sort of <laughs> pieces in terms of. Uh, so that they were pretty good. The mannequins, yeah. They they did a good job. I mean, couldn't have asked for. I hope they didn't get paid too much. But um, <laughs> and from an overall entertainment value, I gave it a seven. I mean, I would sit and watch it. I I. I definitely think the the thing that made this movie so enjoyable to watch was the fact that it, it, although I think at the time it tried to take itself very seriously, in retrospect, you can sit back and really enjoy the fact that it is basically every 70s trope mixed together from the wild hair to, like you said, you know, the the choices that they used for costumes, to the crazy motorcycle scene, to the um, to the sort of, oh, everybody's got to do the social justice thing. It, I mean, it was just everything all mixed together. And because it didn't, it well, not because it didn't, but because it's easy to not take it seriously, I gave it a seven. All right. And, and the one word uh, line, Omega Man is? And the... Oh, I would say, God, if somebody said, what is Omega Man? I think I would say, let's not go down that road. Um, <laughs> let's see. I would say Omega Man is a mishmash of every 70s trope there is. And that would be a fair uh, thing to say. <laughs> um, okay, so for me, production uh, quality, I gave it a 6 um, you know, living in LA, uh, I should have gave it less because I swear that, um, 
they haven't cleaned up downtown LA since that movie. So. <laughs> but uh, those corpses are still lying around. There. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I gave it a I gave it a six. Uh, you know, it was cool to see downtown LA um, back in the seventies, as well as uh, Dodger Stadium. Uh, also, for when it came to the act, uh, the story, I gave it a five. Just because I love the actual story so much, uh, I wonder. You know, one thing I guess we didn't talk about is Richard Matheson. You know, he's a great writer. You know, he's an an extremely outstanding writer, and uh, he was you know a writer for Twilight Zone. And uh, I would like to see what his thoughts were on Omega Man. I don't know if anybody. Oh, I've got I've got a quote from him. Uh huh. On that, it's um, it's faint praise. It's uh, let me see if I can find dig it up here. Um, Mathis himself has been quoted as saying that the movie was so far removed from his original story that he didn't feel bothered. He saw no mention of the changes when he read the original paycheck. <laughs> right. He just saw the check. That's paid for this again. Okay. Well, okay. So have I have fun with it. I give him a five. I mean, a story the five a five. Uh, acting, I actually give a six. Uh, not necessarily for Charlton Heston. I mean, I didn't hate him, uh, but I didn't love him either. Uh, but you know, all the other characters, like uh, obviously Anthony Zerby gives. You know, he's so good in everything. And he's so good in this to the point where he acts like he's doing Shakespeare, you know, like, <laughs> like he really is like, <laughs> so he's great. Rosalind Cash is always awesome. And uh, I forgot the brother that plays uh, the one that the Hunky Paradise guy. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, he, I can't remember his name either. Yeah, he, a, he was in a few things though. Back he then, was, too. he was, and he, um, you know, I just love that guy too. And there was some good stuff there. So uh, I gave the act, I gave acting a six, and in overall entertainment value, I gave a seven because actually this was a film that I was very aware of and I've seen a bunch of times. So, so it was, uh, it's a guilty pleasure, but not guilty. Like as in a pleasure, like it's not guilty pleasure. Like as in like cocaine or something where, you know, you're addicted to it. It's more like a guilty pleasure. Like if you like, uh, like cigarettes yeah, or some exotic, you know, meal that you only have every once in a while. You know, mm -hmm. like it's like that kind of guilty pleasure. But so I, I would give it a seven. And um, what was the the other thing you were telling me? Uh, the, so to describe to describe it in one sentence, Omega Man is Omega Man is is uh, a hunky's paradise. <laughs> it is. So uh, all right. So uh, now tallying the scores because this season. Uh, each, you know, we're going to tally up the scores and each movie will get its score. So from... Uh, what happens to the winner? <laughs> uh, actually, uh, on the final episode, the two films, we're going to have a special debate episode of the two films of who's going to be the champ. And uh, so we're going to have two people are, are going to actually... One person or one team... one 
team is going to say it's going to pick one film, the other one, and they're going to have to debate why this film should be the champ of season two. <laughs> so uh, I, I have a feeling that a Mega Man is not going to be in the final two, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but King Penvin, you gave it a, a, a total of twenty six points. Uh, I gave it a total of twenty four points. Uh, um, Jen gave it a total of twenty five points. And uh, no friend to Charlton Heston, Matthew Hahn, gave it a 17. For, so, Six, 16. Uh, 16. 8152. Oh, ooh, I cannot count. You're right. <laughs> uh, you're right. Uh, yeah. You know, in the future, when the disease hits, you don't have to worry about counting. <laughs> it's just how good you are with matches and Ray Bans. <laughs> so my bad. And you can find a cloak. <laughs> Cloaks. So let me clarify that. Thank you. I'm glad one of us is right because we don't want to. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that means that it has a total of 91. So out of a possible, um, possible. So I guess 160. Yeah, so ninety one out of one sixty. So okay, so we could do like a percentage there, eh? Yeah, yeah, okay. A cheese percentage. Yeah. <laughs> so what would that be? Uh, ninety one of uh, ninety one of <laughs> the the joy <laughs> excitement of math being done over the radio. Hang on, I didn't, like, I didn't know there was going to be math involved involved in this. Uh, Next week we're going to do algebra, so tune in early. <laughs> Actually, we, we we need a we need a um, we need a an Adventure Time segue. You need a little uh, you need a little clip from Adventure Time where Finn says it's mathematical, like as an excited utterance of exclamation. It's mathematical. <laughs> Yeah, all I'm doing is, is the uh, clearly your kids are not as young as my kids. <laughs> mine, uh, mine are nineteen and eighteen. Time? No, oh, I think my other, my one of them does. I'm a Rick and Morty guy myself. Uh, it's uh, it's fifty six percent. So fifty six percent. Now, would we say fifty six percent cheese or fifty six percent not cheese? Fifty percent. Well, oh, it depends on how you, you go view from cheese. Gouda to Limburger. <laughs> Limburger being on the bottom end. So, as far as fetid, stinky cheeses go, you know, the lower the score, the stinkier it is. So this was kind of a Swiss. Yeah, I, this would be a Swiss. Yes, not so bitter. Eh, full of holes, but it's okay so, mostly. So it gets a fifty-six point eight seven five percent cheese rating. There you go. There you go. <laughs> nice. See, yeah, I like that. See, so Chuck Chucky Hudson didn't do too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm going to find things that are probably going to make this look like you know a genius film. <laughs> there will be some real stinkers in mixed into the the batch. But, it's a, but not next week's. Next week's has got a good chance of. Okay. Well, but I, I guess there's a debate of whether or not it's cheese. Yeah, Yardley is going to come on, and he says that he's going to. Um, uh, I, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait for that debate. Because 
because we were doing another show and I mentioned it, and he said, "I have a bone to pick. I'm I'm going to come <laughs> on that show because that's a great movie." He had just seen it, like again. Oh, like I, I think it's a I think it's a great movie too. Yeah, doesn't mean it's not cheesy. It's cheesy <laughs> as fuck. My, my my kids agree too. They they did sit and watch that whole thing and loved every single second of it, and none of them had seen it before, and they were totally impressed. Oh wow! Dang. They all asked me though, "Mom, was it like that in the '80s?" I was like, "Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was sure it exactly was. what we were doing." <laughs> Liar! <laughs> all right, so, on TV. <laughs> all right, so let's start off with uh, our, our special guest, uh, uh, Matthew. Can you tell us how to reach you in social media, and as well as uh, promote your your book? Um. My book it is the animated Marx Brothers. Uh, the animated Marx Brothers. You can go to the animated dot com. Uh, we also have a Facebook group um, and a Twitter. Uh, the Twitter is Marx Tunes, but you can get there by the animated Marx Brothers. So if you just remember, basically the animated Marx Brothers. Just Google it, and you'll you'll reach me any number of ways. And let me uh, sing. Uh, let me sing Matthew's praises uh, as Groucho Beer. He's a he was a vi- he's a very prolific machinima artist who uh, is award winning uh, and contest winning uh, machinima artist. And uh, you know his uh, his series Sugar Babies was amazing, as well as um, uh, I believe it was called The Ring of the False God, right? Yes, I produced it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, excellent stuff. Thank you. Jen, how do oh, you, uh-huh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, we did, uh, the, we won uh, the 48-hour film contest with Ring of False God, and then we had to do, we, we didn't have to, but we, but our, our reward was to do another movie, and uh, the theme was uh, the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so you just did a remake of a Mega Man. <laughs> we, we did do a remake. <laughs> And, and he uses the the great software known as Movie Storm. <laughs> as <well as> so. <laughs> All right, so Jen, how can people, Jen, how can people get you on social media and and uh, wh- tell us about your website? Uh, okay, Websites. I'm I'm on social media at Following Bliss. I'm on Twitter at Following Bliss One, but apparently there's a there's there's actually a lot of people who are following bliss <laughs> i'm not original um and my website is well i'll use i'll use movies make the meal for this one movies make the meal is again just pairing cinema with movie ideas it's it's all recipe driven it's still in its infancy so be patient but that's basically what it is and critical laughs too we got to give that a shout out I I have a blog called Critical Laughs where I basically sort of go over whatever my favorite love of the moment is. We just got through doing the terror. I still do the Walking Dead. Still do I, I do a bunch of stuff. So yeah, that's sort of all the that's my brain download for all things entertainment. All right. All right. Um, and of course, King. How can people get you on social media and such? They can't. I am a pariah and an unknown out there. Uh, I don't have any social media stuff. I am just a hermit these days. However, if you want to see some of my old garbage, um, uh, 
do have my YouTube channel still out there, B Movie Studios. You can find that somewhere in the relegated next to nothing pile uh, where you can find old stuff like Crash Cody and a few other old things I did way back when. Plus a few little new stuff I did on Good uh, good Guys versus Bad Guys, a little short-lived uh, homage to the heroes and villains of comics. Other than that, uh, yeah, I just keep to myself. But I will be here next week, so there's that. <laughs> this is like a movie storm reunion uh, because uh, we're all, you know. Oh, I love movie storm. We're all movie stormers. I, I've so. been trying to do stuff with it. I just keep. Uh, I just don't have the time. I use it. I use it for um, doing uh, like previs now. So, I, and I still use it. Still, it works for that. So. But um, you can get me at Kente F on Twitter, and you can go to the website, IndieRadio.org. Uh, we will be back on uh, next week, uh, same time, same channel. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and you guys have a great week. <laughs>